Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tas Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Billy Bob Bohr. He's the inventor founder at Paragon Roof Systems. All right, Billy Bob, thank you. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Awesome. Well, I'm looking at your, your background and you've invented a few very interesting things. And, you know, if I'm correct, commercialize them, which in my world and what I've seen, that's rare. How's the journey been for you? Oh, it's been a, sometimes a roller coaster, sometimes a, a fall without a parachute. It really depends when you get into developing products and trying to take something to market or even to take it to a group of investors. You never know what to expect and you learn a lot of things along the way. So it's it's been a, a process that has educated me highly. But it's been, awesome. It's been, been a good experience. Awesome. And when, when I see someone that's so prolific in what they do, I think, you know, what were you like as a child? Well, I was a preacher's son, uh, middle of five. So picked on by my older sisters and picked on by the younger one too. So I was okay. I mean, it was, uh, I was the kid that was always uh, knee deep in the creek chasing frogs and trying to take stuff apart and put it back together. And just, you know, just like normal kids, you know, driving my mother crazy. Um, <laughs> then, uh, as I got older, I was, I kept that mentality of wanting to know why everything works. Mm. So I remember getting my first car before I was 16, you know, buying it on my own, taking, raiding my mother's kitchen for butter knives for screwdrivers to take hoses off because they didn't have any tools. But literally the first car I owned, I completely disassembled the engine, tore everything out, learned a lot of mistakes on that also. And so before I ever drove, I actually built my car. Wow. Uh, with no experience. That's, that's just the way my mind works. I want to see what, why, and how. Uh, not at everything, but when it comes to mechanicals, what really intrigued me when I was young. Uh, and then that got me into kind of interested in automotive, not just in cars, but in you know how they're produced. Yeah. Plastics, the metallurgy. I mean, everything behind producing quality automotive parts is you know, really kind of attracted my brain when I was very young. Yeah. It's a little different when you were doing that. I mean, you can't just watch a YouTube video. So what did oh, you no. do? I literally stood there staring at it, at the car. Then I thought, you know what? There's got to be a book. So I went down to a local automotive store, which I started my quest of bothering them for probably the next three years of my life, asking all kinds of questions. And luckily, there were some really decent people that put up with me. They introduced me to something called a Haynes Manual, which is a uh, uh, it's a book on how to tear a specific vehicle completely apart, put it back together. So I started reading and learning as I was going. And of course, my mind always said, well, I'll try it first and then read it and see, you know, see how close I am. Yeah, and I, I did okay. Like I said, a lot, a lot of busted knuckles, a lot of oops, I shouldn't have done it that way and spent a little more on parts to put things back together. But it was a good learning experience for me. It taught me a lot. A lot of patience and a lot of humility when it came time to ask the questions to people that actually knew what they were doing. So it taught me a lot. Awesome. What were your early jobs? Oh, my 
very first job was, uh, other than babysitting as a real young kid, was working at a Taco Bell of all places. So that was my first, and I love tacos, so you don't, it made complete sense as a teenager to do that. And from there, I actually accelerated through that company fairly quickly from making tacos to managing to assistant managing to general managing to running, you know, multiple stores type stuff. And then from that, uh, I had kids real young. I'm like, well, I need something besides me eating a lot of tacos at my work. So like, I need to be healthier, you know, find something where I could stick around a little longer for my children. Because, you know, when you're anyone that's in the food industry knows that it's, it's hard to be in the food industry and, and be healthy when food's always around you. So I had shifted gears and uh, went to work for an automotive returnable packaging company. Started out there at the bottom and started working my way up through that and learning along the way with the same type of mentality I had working on that car as a kid. You know, it's like, I want to know why this stuff works the way it works. I want to know why this machine does this. I want to know why if I change this pressure, it affects this. You know? And it was a, a constant learning process with my little spiral notebooks at night, you know, when I would work, what it would do, if it had a positive effect, a negative effect, and just kept a log on everything I did as I learned there. And, and that was really the precursor that that inadvertently launched me into the roofing world. So is that just sort of a spark of ideas or did you observe something? How did it occur? It occurred. I believe it was a, a brandy old fashioned sweet is what I was drinking at the time, talking to a family member at, at uh, Thanksgiving. This would have been, goodness, 1998 or 97. And that person was a, a roofer and, and not just a roofer. He, he was what he called himself an artisan. So it was he was a guy that did concrete, slate, copper work, high end, real high end buildings. And his mentality was every roof is a piece of art. You know, that was my first exposure to roofing other than have someone fixing a leak on my home type situation. Yeah. And he told me, he goes, my boss is trying to produce plastic roofing and he's been awful at it. He goes, seven years, they've been trying to do this. And he goes, everything that it's made is just not good and doesn't perform and doesn't look right. And because you could probably do it in your sleep. And it just, it floated right over my head. I never thought anything about it. I went, yeah, and it went right back to Thanksgiving festivities with the family. And um, by Christmas, you know, obviously not too long afterwards, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I'm like, well, how would I do it? What would I do? I wonder what other people have done. And I started my research process and I started taking my notes. And after looking at, you could see stuff online at that point, to, not to the extreme we have now, but you could research things a little differently. So I started digging in to see what companies started doing composites. You know, what were their limitations? What were their failures? Was it monetary failure? Was it material failure? Was it market acceptance? You know, what was the real problem? I just started taking notes. And at one point, the light bulb just kind of came on. Like, you know, I think I can do this. So I actually went to that person's boss and said, I think I can do this for you. And he looked at me like I was crazy. Here's this young, young guy with, you know, I'm not, in, never put on a roof, never nothing in my life. And I'm going to create things. But it took me about six months from start to finish to develop the, the industry's first composite barrel tile and that would pass certifications. Now, in that six month time, I also installed my first roof, which, of course, with an artisan contractor family member, it turned into a concrete roof with copper flashings and vertical soldering and all kinds of things that most people are never exposed to 
that the, the roofing contractors that I met through this process were all too willing to come out and help me. And because it was kind of comical watching this never done anything guy get on the roof and bust his knuckles and carry heavy tile and, you know, try to do old hot iron and pot soldering at vertical joints. And it's very comical. They, they taught me a lot and, and a lot of humility along the way, the same way I had as the young kid messing with a car. They didn't have TikTok back then. Thank goodness, no, because it, well, maybe not. There'd have been a lot of hits. It, it'd have been pretty popular. <laughs> Someone they, would have benefited. Oh, somebody definitely would have benefited. It wouldn't have been me, but, you know, it would have taught me some more humility, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So you made this thing, you know, what was the arrangement? Did you, I guess the question is, did you make money doing it? Originally, now you're talking a young guy, not business savvy. This was my first level of education. I went into it very trusting, you know, growing up in, in the church and growing up, I always viewed the world that the world acted the exact same way that I acted or felt. And I, that was my first instance of learning. It didn't work that way. This gentleman said, I can't hire you. I can't specifically have you or contract you to do this job. But if you do it on your own and it's successful, you know, we'll sign a contract. It means royalties forever for your family and all these wonderful things. Now, I did protect myself on some levels where I protected my materials. I protected a lot of the, I guess, the, the mix of the cake that it takes to make it, not just. So the finished product, I didn't control. I did make money, but eventually that company got sold to ABC Supply, actually. And I had no idea of the terms. I had no idea of anything. And that was also another point in my life where I met an amazing mentor mentor, and somebody that basically saved my career. Um, I had an attorney knocking on my door all of a sudden, and he goes, hey, uh, I work for Ken Hendricks of ABC Supply, and he's bought this company. And there's a product line there that we've purchased, and we feel that uh, we have some questions for you. He basically said, yes, did you have anything to do with inventing this? I said, yeah, I had everything to do with it. And he goes, well, can you show me how and why you feel that way? So I kind of walked him through things, and he said, well, it works out because every time Ken would ask specific technical questions, the answer is always, we got to ask Billy Bob. And he goes, now, the gentleman that's saying this is the person that claimed to invented it. You know, so if you invented something and you're patenting it, you're going through all these steps and you've done this, you should have all the answers. So when you have to go to someone else for the answers, he goes, obviously, there's a, a warning flag that goes up. So it, it worked out nice that, you know, Ken had actually sent this attorney to specifically investigate. He then dissected everything and gave everything back to me and just said, he, he goes, I'm raised a family man. He goes, I believe there's, there's greater powers that we have to answer to. I don't ever want to take advantage of anybody. He goes, so he gave me everything back, paid all the legal fees to do everything. There wasn't a penny out of my pocket or a requirement of me to do anything for him. His only response was, if we can do business in the future, I would appreciate it. Wow. And that started my whole next level of doing work with work with ABC Supply, helping can evaluate companies and just certain things, everything evolving around polymer basis. And, and, it, and it helped me to realize there still is good out in the world. And also that there's there's times where you get taken advantage of and you need to pay attention. So but it separated everything and allowed me to continue developing on my own and then launch my launch my first company. Uh, so it, it was a good thing. 
Wow, that's a great story. Yeah. Okay, so the next thing I, I see, the, the Bravia tile, is that a spinoff of the technology or just a further improvement? Or how did you, how did you come across that? So the, the Brava products are a, a version of that original technology, obviously adjusted and developed further from that date, but it was taken to market and pushed further, a lot further than what it was at the previous level. And uh, it came very well, did some specific work and design work with Disney on that particular technology. Again, met some wonderful people that challenged me saying, okay, yes, your products are beating everything in the industry performance-wise as far as how they how Disney would test things. And they challenged me to say, we need it to be at this level, not at this level. And then when you reach this level, we're going to ask you to go to this level. And <laughs> Keep I going met, higher. I said, the, the people I met were amazing. They said, we are going to be one of your best customers and your worst customers all at the same time, because we are going to challenge you. But that challenging is going to take you places that we feel you wouldn't go on your own. And they are 100% correct. I mean, the people I met there, absolutely great people. And those relationships still exist today on a personal level, just, you know, friendships are formed, mutual respects for people that I never would have crossed paths. And it changed my life. I mean, they, they literally changed how I looked at the industry, how I looked at product realism, how something needs to look when it's on the roof versus, and I've never had the mentality. It's just a roof, never. But to say, well, I want it to look real from 10 feet away. And if I can't tell it's what it what it's supposed to be, then it doesn't pass. So it really, really pushed me to look at everything differently. Wow. So, yeah, push you to look at things differently. And then I guess now you have another venture that you doing. How is that different than what you've done in the past? Uh, well, it's um, chemistry wise is different. Theory wise, as to how it goes on the roof is different. But what, what happened was, is I, I sold the company Brava in 2015, still work with them consulting and doing, you know, helping them build and understand and, and develop their business. The whole Paragon product line came from partially from the start of with uh, the dealing with theme parks and dealing with contractors. When you start dealing with contractors on large volume projects or real demanding projects. And these guys are more detailed focused. They're not just, okay, do this roof. Let's get to the next one. It's every detail is very specific. I really started having guys give me feedback. And this is over 15 years of, if you could install it this way, it'd be so much easier on my guys. Or, hey, if you could figure out how to skip this step or how to add this or integrate this into the product line and not to mention lower the cost. And it was always lower the cost. So I would always take these notes, you know, normally just on paper, you know, old school. And when I'd get home, I'd throw it into a file. And, you know, over the years of, of hanging on to all these things, when I sold Brava and I got the opportunity to sit back and go, okay, I'm not doing day-to-day interactions. I'm not dealing with every single level of the business anymore. So I've got a lot more time on my hands. My brain floated right back to, you know, I want to go back and revisit everything that had been presented to me or requested of me and you know what can I do about it and I've always had the theory in my in my head from you know the early 2000s late 90s of making a system that was lower cost easier to install but still looked as good or outperformed traditional but it, it only got to so far and never it never really had the time or energy while doing everything else to really focus on it so I was able to go back and visit those you know R&D ideas 
and say, okay, let's take these ideas. Let's go back through all the feedback I've gotten from actually people that are a lot smarter than I am, which are the contractors, the guys that are doing it every day for, for me to put myself on the same level of a, of a, of a roofer who's done that for 25 years. I don't have his knowledge. They're, they're completely different levels of knowledge. So I went back, said, I'm going to pull all this together. And then while pulling this together, I started reaching out to people that I've developed some really close relationships with professionally that are still in the roofing industry and sharing my information, obviously side confidentialities, all that fun stuff and say, guys, this is what I'm working on. But I want to make sure that I'm not looking at this from just a single angle. I want it. I want to look at it from all angles. So I got some great feedback from people saying, yeah, you're on the right track or no, you're not on the right track. And listening to all those experts that I've got to meet over my career is really what pushed and fueled Paragon. You know, then I added in my level of understanding of materials and looking at where recycled materials are today versus where they were 20 years ago. So as we develop new products and, and unrelated products like, you know, rollout roofing or elastomer coatings, I mean, there's always byproducts or there's always other materials that all of a sudden pop up as a value stream that need to be figured out how to you be utilized so or they don't go to the landfill. You know, So I sat back and looked at what was available and what I knew about chemistry to make these things work. And that's how the Paragon product line came about. And it really answered a lot of questions of price, speed of installation, even the theory of how the tooling and molds are made uh, for quick repairs, quick manufacturing changeovers. I mean, there's so many things that we've looked at to be able to keep lead times down, keep costs down, and then transfer those costs to the end user. Like right now, I mean, we're anywhere from 30 to 40% less in cost to a lot of our customers what our competition would be. Not that we're making less margins or anything. It's just that I don't believe in going after every single penny you can take from somebody. I think that if you take it to market at the right price, at the right look, like what's been requested of me for the last 20 years, it's going to be successful. And that's exactly what we've done. And it's been working out wonderful for us. The amazing thing about what you've done is you've done this multiple times and seen success we come across lots of stories of people that start stuff, just can't get it to commercialize. What do you think the keys are that sort of helped you sort of beat the odds with it, what you've done? Well, a lot of the things, I guess, initially was, I guess, synergies between the right people. I, I've always been very fortunate. So I've met, I, some people call it lucky. You know, some people say it's prayers being answered. I just treat people a certain way. When I meet someone, I treat them like I would want to be treated. And I've been fortunate enough to meet people that know about machining or know about electronics. Or it, and you meet these people and you form friendships. And sometimes you end up having partnerships get formed. So you try to save money. But as far as developing, that's where most guys run into their failures. They got this idea. Okay, it's going to cost this much. Well, you're never right about what it's going to cost. <laughs> and I was not born independently wealthy. You know, I did, like I said, I had kids young, I had everything. I had every hurdle against me, like a lot of people do. But the biggest thing for me was I didn't give up. And when I found partners that I did end up getting taken advantage of, you know, that were not such good situations, what has happened, I didn't let that hold me back too long. I kept my head down, I kept working, I kept pushing. And even when it's a situation where you felt you were treated poorly, I've gone right to that same person and said, here's a deal. We need to figure out how to make this work because if we tear it apart, none of us are going to get anything. And, it's not, and we're not really finishing the development. We're not really following it through. And 
So the biggest hurdle I've, I think most people run into is they hit that financial point and they get scared. And then they, they too quickly open up and say, help, help, somebody help me. And that's when sharks will circle when you're in the water, you know, and that's a lot of times people jump in too quickly. I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there like Ken, who took care of me, that would help you. And even if it's just advice versus writing a check, that would be my first thing is to say, ask for the advice, talk to people and just see what you can come up with. Not everybody's path is going to lead into that person. So I guess if, if you run into a situation where you're running out of money, you can, you can go to local areas to ask for funding. You, there are assistances out there that can help you take your R&D project to another level. But everybody's situation is different. You, know, you, you might have a great product that financially just doesn't make sense. There's all kinds of things that can happen. Unfortunately, my products, there was a need with roofing. Cost-wise, it made sense. I had enough knowledge to work on the machinery and, 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 and form some friendships to help me get through that. For sure. So if I were to sum it up, uh, you know, be curious, be a good person. And from my conversation with you, I feel like you're the type of person that remembers someone helping you in your time of need. So I believe you do give a, a lot back as well. Well, exactly. I mean, it's that's probably one of the things that registers the most with me. I've been thinking about this interview, you know, talking with you. And, you know, what's really the key to my success has been the people around me. It hasn't been my idea. It hasn't been you know, making money off of shingles. It has, it's, it's not that it's when I look at somebody from the person sweeping our plant floor to someone doing sales, that's you know bringing money in every single person gets looked at the same way. You know, that's how's, how's your family doing? You know, how are your kids doing? I mean, you, you have that interaction. You got to have that respect level. No, not everybody feels they have time for that. I've always made the time for it. And um, it puts some stress on it because you, your days become longer. But when someone feels like you care and you actually do care, that's reciprocated. You know, their, their work becomes more important to them. Their efficiencies become more important to them. If they see a problem, hey, I should really say something to Billy Bob. And it's been that way for 20 plus years. It's the people that have left working for me or companies that I've sold. And those people still talk to me, you know, and it's, it's not a, hey, you know, what's your work like? Is there an opportunity at Paragon or it's how's your how's your wife doing? You know, how's your family doing? Are you doing okay? This is what I've got going on. I mean, it's friendships. And I still think that that, that is a key that a lot of industries lost. A lot of instant gratification through social networking, you know, getting likes on photos, getting followers on LinkedIn. I mean, it's a lot of it's got a very a good place and a good purpose, but you know, forward leading and putting a hand out to somebody and not just saying, Hi, I'm your boss, but pulling them with you, taking them along with you on that journey is key. I, I think that's why it's always worked out for me. Wonderful. Awesome. Do you have anything else that I didn't ask you, but you wanted to share? Um, not really, other than just have faith, you know, wh- wh- in, in whatever you want to have faith in. I'm not telling you who to believe in, but if you can feel good and look somebody in the eye after you've conducted business, that's a big deal. It's. I've always told myself that after I sell a roof or after I sell a company, 10 years down the road, if I bump into somebody, I want to know that that person knows who I am, respects who I am, and that they know I care about them. That's customers, that's coworkers, that's investors. doesn't matter what level it is. I want to know that they know who I am and that 
that I cared about them. That way you never wonder, ooh, that person upset or ooh. If, if you have to think that and you have to strategize on how to react to somebody, then you're not doing it right. Something's wrong. And that's the way I've always led, led my life. Yeah, do the right thing. Well, Billy Bob, thank you so much for sharing your story. Well, thank you so much. It's been an honor. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.